podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header. Bajero! Hello and welcome to your Champions League preview show here on Anfield Index with myself, Andy Wales. And this show is brought to you in partnership with LibertyShield.com, the perfect VPN companion for all your football viewing, where you can get 25% off everything using the uh, coupon code AIVPN. Yes, 25% off. That's a hell of a saving. Now, Liberty Shield is the VPN used by many in the AI Pro team to help them watch the Reds live. So, uh, yeah, go to the website, check it out, and don't forget to use that uh, coupon code AIVPN to get your 25% saving on Liberty Shield. Now, back to the Champions League and Liverpool, their place in the competition um, well, it's in the balance, let's say. Losing the, the first leg away to Atletico Madrid 1-0, there is a lot of work to be done. So here to help me look ahead to the second leg and cast an eye over all the other ties that are going on in this round of 16 is writer Alex Barilaro. Welcome to the show, Alex. Um, last time we spoke, it was before the competition kicked off. So um, things have progressed a lot since then. It has, yes. Uh I think the word you use right there, balance, was very uh, poignant, I think, because these ties can be so just on a knife's edge and so finely, you know, poised that one sort of swing each way almost, like, defines the tie. Uh, And I think, yeah, the last time we spoke, we sort of... It's interesting, the last time we spoke, we were both less confident and more confident than we are now, I think, because we were like, oh, we just won the Champions League, it's going to be difficult to do it back-to-back, but we are a brilliant team. But I think we also didn't have the like the, the knowledge of just how good we would be this season. Uh, and, I, and I remember listening, uh, I listened to this, actually earlier this week to, to another podcast, a European podcast, and uh, they were basically saying, like even if Liverpool go out of this of this tied Atletico, then it won't really change much. They are still the most formidable team in the world. They just happened to come up against the one team that had their had their number in a period of the season where they were lulling a bit. So it's weird. I think we're both in a we're both in that sort of same area now where we're both confident because of, you know, what reality is being so many points clear, but also a little bit weary now of just just whether Atletico can summon up the spirit of Simeone once again and put us out of the Champions League, which would be a disappointment, to be honest. Oh, it most certainly would be a disappointment, certainly to go out at this stage, uh, and certainly as well after the amount of work that's been put into the season to get into this terrific position. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone would have expected to go to Madrid and it be a straightforward, simple task, regardless of their form this season and their struggle to to um, to score goals. Um 
it, it, it just as simple as that, isn't it? It was it was never going to be easy to go there first, was it? No, and I think we can actually owe some of this, like I was saying, fine balance to the fact that they are a bit profligate in front of goal. They don't have the clinical strikers because I mean, Saul Niguez's goal was not the greatest goal in the opening three minutes, and then of course they locked it down, but they did have chances laid on. And I think if they had the peak, the peak Torres, the peak Falcao, the peak Diego Costa, the the, the plethora of strikers they've had, if they had someone like that, we could very well be looking at a return leg at Anfield, which, I mean, we always have to be somewhat confident, but with a much more daunting task of having to put two, perhaps even three, past this this steely Atletico side, because, yeah, they might have been 2-0 up on, on aggregate. Uh, and as of right now, I think the tie is still in our favour, in, uh, as we talk about that, that finely poised balance of things, but oh, it's close. Um, Anfield is going to have to be really alive for this one, I think. Uh, what did you make of the Liverpool performance in, in Madrid then? Because I, I know it's it's come along with, as we record this on the Friday before the Bournemouth game, you know, it, it's come in the middle of um, a disappointing run of form, a sluggish run of form for Liverpool since that uh, mini winter break? Yeah, I think look, we all know the ramifications of Klopp's team going on one of their breaks. I mean, this, the, it's become almost like a trope now. Oh, they're, they're off to Marbella again? Well, we can count the next game as an absolutely awful performance and, and probably dropping points. This season hasn't been quite as you know notorious for it purely because we haven't dropped points, but uh, am I right in saying that even the United game was after a slight break? Oh, is that my calendar's wrong there? But I'm, I'm, either way, there was uh, almost certainly going to be a lull after this. You know, this it was a sort of a winter break, but it was pretty short compared to what Klopp's used to in Germany. Um, what we have now is basically a you know slightly longer cup weekend and. and it's essentially a week and a half rather than just a week that you get off the FA Cup. I think that absolutely sort of jolted our momentum, uh, jolted in the wrong way in the shape of, you know, a jolt that causes you to, like, stop. Uh, and for a team that relies so heavily on, I mean, momentum is a questionable thing in football, but on at least synergy that comes from playing game after game after game, uh, I think it really kicked us in the balls. And to have that Atletico game almost come at the exact wrong time from that winter break and from uh, maybe the the lethargy that comes from having such an unassailable lead in the Premier League, I think it was just the wrong time for everyone. In terms of the performance, like I said before, once that Saul goal went in, it was always going to be an uphill battle because Atletico could pile six, basically six men in a low block, three men ahead of them doing all the pressing and all the grunt work uh, and just nullify our fullbacks. Which, again, if you nullify our fullbacks and our midfield isn't looking creative, which it wasn't, um, it's it's a tough ask to, to feed that front three. I mean, a lot of last season, clubs would do it, teams would do it when maybe our system wasn't quite as refined. And it was basically left to Salah, Firmino and uh, Mane to just sort something out on their own, which never really like got us into much trouble. Um but then at the same time, you look at the, the buy-in game from last season, that 3-1, and you think maybe 
maybe there is something there that we just all we need is a bit of space. All we need is one goal, force Atletico out of their box, and then who knows what could happen. So, in terms of the first first leg, uh, it was deflating, it was disappointing, but it was half expected. Uh, what needs to come now is the expected response, I think. Yeah, that's uh, that is the thing. You know, it, it was almost half expected to go away to such a difficult and such a good team, so experienced, so wily. And again, a team that we you know we've spoke about over the past few seasons is almost the antithesis of of uh, Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp. That this was always going to be a very very difficult task. Uh, facing the team but I think it's fair to say one final thing then uh, on that first leg before we move along Alex is that you know given everything a 1-0 a 1-0 deficit is not the end of the world it's not not at all especially when you consider well one what they were attacking with I mean their attacking instruments weren't quite as I was about to say they were blunt but I think Atletico like their instruments being blunt because they can just bludgeon people to, to submission. I think the the first leg showed what we can exploit now, put it that way. Their midfield is tight and compact, but if our fullbacks are on, then they can, you know, push forward and get in between basically between the two lines. There's not much space there between the two lines. It's the way Simeone always likes it. But if you can get one you can get Trent or Robbo sort of catching their fullback off guard, you know, that's where you can find you know, your bit of space. So hopefully our fullbacks are on. Yeah. It's, like we say, it will be tough. And we will get to looking at the uh, the second leg, previewing it properly uh, a tad later in the show. Uh, before we get there, um, first things first, we'll we'll have a run through the, the other ties just to uh, t- to get an idea of what's going on around the competition. So first legs, uh, RB Leipzig beat Spurs 1-0 in in London, so that's that's quite an achievement. Atalanta beat Valencia 4-1. Uh, Borussia Dortmund beat PSG 2-1. As we said, obviously, we know uh, Atletico lead Liverpool 1-0 in aggregate at the halfway stage. Uh, Manchester City beat uh, Real Madrid 2-1. Uh, Leon lead Juventus 1-0. Barcelona-Napoli currently stands at 1-1. And Bayern dispatched Chelsea 3-0. So... I think it's fair to say that six of the eight ties still hang in the balance. Uh, we we'll start with that Leipzig Spurs one. Um, any surprise to you for for how that 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 one rests? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it was pretty much as expected. Um, but that's because I watched a lot of Leipzig. Uh, I think the opening five minutes were some of the most one-sided, blistering five minutes of football I've ever I've seen in a while. Uh, they Patrick Schick could have scored two. Werner had a good chance. Spurs looked awful, to be honest. A lot, sort of a perfect sort of emblemization of what they've been under Mourinho, which is not very good at defending, not very good at attacking, and then Jose doesn't really change anything and blames it on injuries. Um, so yeah, as as someone who's watched Leipzig very very closely lately, um, I can definitely sort of be confident that they'll see it through. Uh, But yes, I think it's just more worrying signs for Jose's Spurs, really, because they're not a threat anymore, put it that way. Considering they were in the Champions League final last season, it is a damning indictment that they aren't a threat. Mm. What about Leipzig then? I mean, you expect Leipzig to go through in this second leg, you know, they're they're 1-0 up, they've got the away goal, 
now they're playing at home, you expect them to go through? And if so, do you think they could be a threat to a further competition? I think they'd be a threat to everyone else. I'm not sure they'd be a threat to us purely because of how Klopp plays uh, and his history. Although I guess Haas and Hoodle has given him, you know, cause for concern at Southampton. But really, how open Leipzig are uh, and how Nagelsmann coaches, it plays into Klopp's handiwork. So, I mean, famous last words, of course, we draw them next round. They batter us 4-1 at, at the Leipzig Stadium. So, I don't know. But in, I wouldn't be too bothered if it was I was a Liverpool supporter. I would be bothered if I was Barcelona or even Manchester City or someone like that because they are just brilliant. They're so well detailed. That's Nagelsmann's magic. Is he, he has everyone do a certain role and they all do it to perfection. And if something changes, everyone's role just tweaks a little. Um, which, yeah, I just admire him so much. And, yeah, I think Leipzig could be one of the dark horses, to be honest, as long as they don't face us. Mm, uh, Valencia at Atalanta, obviously 4-1 up at Atalanta. Uh, Atalanta. Um, it, it's, it's tough to see anything other than them progressing. It is. Stranger things have happened. But Atalanta are making a habit of scoring seven goals in the Serie A. So you'd think that, you know, putting four past Valencia is more than enough to give them a three-goal cushion. But the first leg, again, was a really weird one because Valencia probably could have drawn that 4-4 and no one would have batted an eyelid given the way the play went. Um, but, yeah, actually, it's a curious question. Eddie, do you think outside of Liverpool and City there is anyone that is out-and-out sort of favourite? Because I'm looking at Atalanta thinking, you know what, if you string a bunch of performances together, together rather, um, you shouldn't really fear anyone unless it's, you know, the two biggest boys from England. Mm, it's an interesting point. I mean, P- PSG Dortmund, that one, another tie that's finally uh, balanced. Dortmund are leading 2-1 on aggregate. Obviously, PSG have got the away goal. They've now got the home advantage. Um, I think you, you could make a case for either of these teams and, they they both have a great threat going forward, but have their uh, weaknesses in defence. Yeah, and PSG is just a basket case of a team sometimes. And and I know that they've obviously beaten us in Champions League before. Um, I know that Napoli, if we came up against Napoli, uh, Napoli beats Barca. Um, I mean, all of this is supposing we win the tie that we're about to speak about, but on the proviso that we do, Napoli have given us grief before. Obviously, PSG have two. I'd be worried about PSG um, based on entirely on Neymar because I think he's brilliant. But in terms of their defence, again, we can get at that defence and we've proved we can beat them before. Uh, in terms of a Dortmund side with Erling Braut Haaland, maybe they could toss up something. But again, just I can't take German seriously. German opposition that seriously when I know that we've got the best German manager in the world. So it's kind of <laughs> that simple. Uh, but yeah, PSG obviously are probably the next team down from that. But in terms of the rest of the, the, the bracket, I can't really see many people on that, that sort of incredible level that we're on. Do you, do you think PSG will just have a little bit too much for Dortmund then? Probably. I mean, they the PSG... They were very flat in that tie. They were pretty much... I mean, they've they've lost games in the last sort of month or so. They've drawn... They've had weird draws with like the likes of Dijon and that. But that was probably the worst performance I've seen from them purely because I expected so much. So from there, we could sort of... You could sort of extrapolate that maybe they'll come back and have some fire to them. But yeah, I think they'll probably have a bit too much for Dortmund, but I don't think it'll be that easy, put it that way. 
No, uh, Manchester City obviously coming away with a two-one win at the uh, Santiago Bernabeu. That that puts them, you know, front and center in that tie. Uh, Real Madrid obviously don't look the same team that they used to. You, you've got to expect City to progress from this one. Absolutely, uh, Madrid are not dead, but they compared to their first tenure under Zidane are uh, a decrepit old man compared to that thorough. Thoroughbred, that that absolute like incredible confounding team that was ridiculously good in Champions Leagues but couldn't get it done in the league. I think that was always going to like not last for that way. But also there was sort of an extenuating circumstance called Cristiano Ronaldo, and since they've lost him, they haven't been able to figure out what they want to be. If that makes sense, because they. They were steely and they were really steely for a while. And then they lost to Sociedad in the in the cup, the Copa del Rey. And that that strong defense just sort of broke down. And it was really funny because you just go, oh, 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 they've stopped being defensive now. So what are they going to hang their hat on? And now, obviously, they're, they're basically hanging their hat on this sort of idyllic 4 3 3 slash 4 4 2 with Vinicius Jr. as the key man. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be anywhere near enough to see off, see off a city side that is so determined to, to win the Champions League and stick it up your way for, um, I just don't see anything other than a, a city result here, which will make things interesting, but I think more importantly spells the death knell for sort of this Madrid squad that needs a lot of, a lot of work done to it. Yeah. And Juventus, Leon, I mean, Leon leading 1-0 on aggregate, uh, but I think You'd have to expect uh, Juve to uh, to have enough to get through this tie, this second leg at home. You would, but it's not as much of a lock, I think, as it would have been under Allegri. And I don't think Maximiliano Allegri is a good manager, but he had this knack. I mean, the Atletico game last season, he just had the knack to pull it out when it mattered. And he was very functional, and it was basically get the ball to Cristiano last year. But it worked so well. And that was a 2-0 deficit at Atletico Madrid. This is not quite that deficit. And Leon are nowhere near that team. Um, but it was interesting to see sort of Rudy Garcia come up trumps in, in a Champions League game because he's not the popular man at Leon. Uh, his history with Marseille, his history of being kind of a... What's a nice way to put sort of self-important wanker? Um, his history of being that sort of person uh, may, has not endeared into Leon at all. But I, you got to say that if he gets past you in this in this second leg, they'll treat him as a hero. Well, they should treat him as a hero at least for a few weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I certainly I, I would expect them to have more than enough uh, to to get the, to get themselves through. Uh, Barcelona Napoli again another one very finely balanced 1-1 but Barca at home obviously they've got all the experience but um, I mean I, I know it's it's a bit of um it's a bit of a Liverpool fan thing that you know we broke them last year but they they do seem to have been sort of mentally scarred from from that uh, evening at Anfield under those floodlights well, did you see the Testegan thing when, when they they were taking... I don't think it was Napoli. Oh, maybe it was Napoli when uh, they were taking a short corner and he pointed it. I think it was Semedo, Nelson Semedo, to, 
you know, get your act together. Be wet, <laughs> watching sure it... that corner every time. Yeah, uh, very aware very for corners funny. taken quickly. Indeed, almost like they've they've been scarred. Almost like that's that's been imprinted on their memory. But um, it's also one of those things that I don't think anyone will ever get away with again, which is a shame because you know they have, it was very funny, and it was an incredible way to end an incredible game. As for as for Napoli Barca, look, Gattuso is a. I was going to say functional, but he's more than functional. He's not Allardyce, but he's not Zidane either. And I don't, again, I don't rate Zidane, but Zidane is kind of the paramount slot me in. I'll get the players to work in a certain way because they're very good players. Like they don't need much coaching. All I need to do is just tell them how to play this game and give them a bit of like a confidence boost and set them up in the right way and they can go. I think Gattuso is sort of the budget version of that, if you get what I mean, the Italian budget version, the Aldi version, if Aldi was owned by Italians. Um, I think he's he's going to set his Napoli side out to be, you know, hardworking and fiery and combative. It won't work, but he's going to set them out that way. However, this Barca, I think Barca are pretty much going to get over the line, but the fact that Barcelona are still shaky, that there's not as much confidence in them to get over the line in this fixture, shows you everything you need to know about this Barcelona team. They are not gargantuan anymore. They are not behemoths. They are a club, all like seemingly always one loss away from crisis. They have lost far more games this season than they ought to have. Madrid has been terrible, and they still haven't gotten away from them. In the same way, you could say, well, Barca has been terrible and Madrid started got away from them. And then, as we'll come on to later, both of these clubs have been terrible and Atletico still hasn't even caught up to them. Um, so, yeah, this Barca side is genuinely... <sighs> There's a book by Jonathan Wilson called The Barcelona Legacy, and I'm reading through it now, and I've, I've wanted to read it for ages. And it's just describing everything that Cruyff did and Guardiola did that there is no trace of now. Um, I mean, sacking Valverde was just, it was both a mistake and too long coming because you either stick with him till the end of the season or you fire him last season when he should have been set. Um, and from now, I think, I mean, this is all just to say again that Liverpool and Manchester City have assumed the roles of Barcelona and Real Madrid circa, you know, that 2009 to 2016, 17 sort of period. Um, so, yeah, that this Barcelona team are just their own form of shambles, which may win La Liga, but I don't think they're winning a Champions League anytime soon. Yeah, so so you think even if they can muster up the uh, the quality that they do have for this one night to get them through this tie, it's just not going to be enough in the long run for them? No, but their quality is messy. Mm. And that's that's all it is. He He does that incredible tactical thing where in the first 10 to 15 minutes... He doesn't have a position. He goes and wanders around and tries to find the weakness in the enemy team. And if you watch him closely, you watch him figure out where he needs to be in the first five minutes, except if the opposing team is putting so much pressure on in those early stages, Messi realizes that he can't just sit around and find the weakness because his team's going to suffer. It's basically playing with, not playing with 10 men because he'll still get on the ball. But like he's not going to do any defensive work in those first 10 to 15 minutes. He's literally just probing around the fullbacks and centre-backs to find the gap. And if a team applies significant pressure, which is what Napoli did last in the last tie, it's what teams like Athletic Bilbao and, and 
actually, yeah, Saucy Dad as well, the two, the two Basque teams, I guess. Um, and teams like Celtic Vigo do in the Liga. And it's what Liverpool did in both ties last year because we absolutely buried them in the first tie and they scored, you know, three very messy like goals, including that free kick. It's just, yeah, that they're... If they played City, I think Pep Guardiola would show them exactly the difference between what he inspired in Barcelona and what Barcelona is now. And, I mean, this is a subject I could rant on about for a long time, but it is all just to say that, yeah, absolutely, I don't think, even if they have a Messi-inspired victory, I don't think they can sustain another Champions League push. No, and this is the thing, you know, from the Liverpool perspective is, you know, if we if we can get through, is is casting our eye around the field, and yeah, obviously PSG has the potential danger. We know Man City has the danger. Um, the only other one looking at it as a serious danger, then if the if and obviously we have to say if Liverpool progress, is the final tie um, Bayern three nil up away from home as well. Winning three nil is mightily impressive. <laughs> Uh, they know they now go to the Allianz Arena for for the second leg, and even with uh, Robert Lewandowski injured, um, you just you cannot see past Bayern extending the lead in this tie, and and I do feel they are they are a, a threat in this competition this season. Yeah, I think they are, and oddly enough, the one German team that I forgot about when I was thought about Dortmund and Leipzig before was, yeah, this Hansi Flick Bayern, which is a very weird addition of Bayern Munich. But I think it's just the idea that, that last year we sort of, you know, we drew nil all with them the first leg. We went away to the Allianz and we sort of, we up, we came up to the challenge. That makes me think that Bayern aren't quite at the level of the, the big two, oh, if that's what they would, we call us now. But they are certainly in a renaissance. They are certainly a force to be reckoned with, and they have dispatched what was a quite naive Chelsea uh, relatively quickly. Um, and I don't think there's going to be any doubt that they'll move through. Whether or not they're, they're sort of third favourite... Yeah, they probably are third favourites now that I think about it. I was going to suggest PSG's attacking firepower is strong, but they're counterbalanced by the fact that they can't defend. So, uh, And Thomas Tuchel versus Hansi Flick surely only ends one way. Um, so, yeah, no, I think Bayern are very much the third-placed favourites if you if if you in fact if obviously the results all happen as the way we imagine they will happen or we the way we want them to happen, which involves City and Liverpool getting through. But uh yeah, after that that incredible second leg last season it just makes me think that ooh, there is surely still something to be got out there for Bayern. Yeah, and I and I would suggest people um be wary of thinking that this is the same Bayern that we we comfortably beat in that second leg last season. They are a different outfit now. They're more uh, bet, better tactically. Or also, uh, just they're all pointing in the same direction. They're a lot more, a lot more uh, unified as a club and as a team. Uh, and they the are, squad, and, it's and Andy it, yeah. Flick has had a lot to do with that too. To be fair, yes, and, and yeah. we're yet to see him have a crack as a manager. In terms, sorry, well, we're yet to see the cracks come through in Hansi Flick's sort of management style. I do think that they are they have been benefited by not facing huge teams. But, you know, I think if they come up against a, a team equivalent to the size of Dortmund in a two-legged tie, 
maybe they they struggle a bit more because they've had like Leipzig they drew, Gladbach they lost. That was a weird game, the two one. Uh Der Classica, I think there's another one set for a couple of weeks time by memory. Unless my memory is failing me. But um yeah, I think Bayern is still yet to be properly pushed, put it that way. But they have been super impressive in the league the last few especially the last few weeks. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, the weirdness of that, that game against Hoffenheim with the whole Dittmar hop and everything and the way it ended was belied by the fact they were comfortably up 6-0 and Serge Gnabry is just in the form of his life. Yeah, that's it. It, it Again, you know, uh, although Liverpool on song should have too much for buying, you know, you you'd be foolish to think of them as just being the same team that they were. They've definitely moved on. And and like I say, I do feel they are one of the, the potential threats. Should Liverpool progress? And that is the, the question mark. Should Liverpool progress? So let's get to that second leg. Um, you've already mentioned the role of Anfield in this. I mean, looking, as we've also mentioned, you know, Liverpool's form since this, the return from this mini winter break has not been good. Again, not it's been very sluggish. Uh, as you also pointed out, you know, whenever we've come back from any kind of ten day, nine, ten day breaks before, we've looked a bit, uh, look a little bit off the pace, uh, lacking our rhythm. Same can be said coming back from international breaks, and it's normally taken us a couple of games to to click back into gear, um, and it hasn't been the case up to now. Obviously, I, we're recording this the day before the the Bournemouth game, but. You know how integral could Anfield be in in terms of really getting this team going? And and thinkers also, as you mentioned, Simeone in that first leg orchestrating the uh, Atletico crowd. Obviously, he won't have that at his disposal at Anfield. So, you know, just just how in, integral is the Anfield crowd to this game? Oh, it's it's absolutely vital. Um. The, I'm not even sure the word, the, the emotional fervor that that crowd gives this team on Champions League nights, I don't think you can quite put into words. I remember a video, excuse me, from B in Sports where the night, I think it must have been the night of the Barcelona game, uh, or it might have been the, even the Champions League final, um, the aura of Anfield as You'll Never Walk Alone hit, just had them mesmerized. And even Jose, who I love, I mean, I, I love as a character. He's a bit tiresome as a manager these days, but as a pundit, I thought he was exceptional. He just turned and went, how can you, how can you like face that? How can you deal with that? It's just special. Um, and if we can have that sort of, you know, emotional response and emotional fervor backing our team, it's sort of, overrides any bad form because on Champions League nights it's just different you know it's just my only game my only visit to Anfield was in was the the uh, fateful 1-1 draw with Basel under Rodgers in 2014 but we just needed to beat Basel we would have qualified uh, and they came to Anfield and we drew 1-1 with them uh, Lazar, Lazar Markovic got sent off for flicking someone's nose and even that night I just went this is incredible. This is like no atmosphere I've ever experienced before. Um, and I know we like to big up our own stadium and our own magic because it's what defines us as a club. But if we 
lose this tie, it won't be for lack of Anfield support. It won't be for lack of magic. It might be for lack of, you know, momentum or, you know, lack of cutting edge. But there is just that Anfield spirit that pushes us on constantly. Um, and, yeah, it's, I'm, I really am looking forward to another magic night. Yeah, and I think a key thing could be, you know, the, the energy that's kind of been missing from the team is certainly there in the crowd. And and like we say, you know, you think back to that Barcelona game last season, you know, 3-0 down from the first leg against Barcelona. Nobody expects what happened, but the energy from that crowd transferring into them players, you know, really, really do need it now. And it's this is, you know, it's 1-0, it's not 3-0. So it's it's certainly not beyond the realms of possibilities and and all the rest of it. It's certainly not an impossible task that it that it perhaps seemed last season. So yeah, you you would certainly seem you would certainly think that um, it, it's all doable. We've got the quality and and like you say, you know that energy that's perhaps been missing that can be transferred from the crowd. So we've got that side of it. Uh, playing wise, um, which the news has come out today that. Um, Allison is injured. He's definitely going to miss the Bournemouth game. Uh, there's a good, there's a fair chance he will miss the Atletico game as well. Uh, do, you, do you think that could play into things, or or do you think the pattern of the game will be that it perhaps will be a little more inconsequential? I think, uh, yeah, like what you just said there, the pattern of the game. I think if we score early. Atletico was suddenly forced to come at us, and that could be very interesting. I think we saw at the weekend, Adrian can't really be trusted as much as maybe we thought earlier in the season. But it's difficult to say that for a keeper that doesn't have it, like hasn't had a run of games. Like the the quandary of the backup keeper is just that. You know, you are expected to perform, but not given any time to build up to a performance, which is just really difficult. But that being said, Allison just makes the biggest difference between the sticks. Um, there is a, there is a, I'm not even sure what you call it, it's sort of like a chart that I remember my Arsenal supporting friend sent me, um, which basically just stated how influential certain keepers were. Uh, here it is, yeah. It's basically a percentage of over and under performance against XG. Allison is far and away exceeding or outperforming under, like, under letting in goals. His XG, it's just ridiculous. He was at 90% when this chart was made. Dean Henderson is overperforming his XG by 27%. He's second. Kepper is underperforming. It's over, yeah, underperforming his F, sorry, underperforming his XG by 19%. Idea, which basically means he's conceding 19% more goals than he should. Allison is conceding 90% less goals than he should. Um, he's just a freak. Uh, and I don't think we really appreciate him for what he is until he's gone. But as of right now, you're right. The pattern of the game may well be such that Allison isn't necessary as much as, you know, he might be if this was Barcelona last season. Uh, so hopefully, Adrian just needs to make one save, does it casually, and then. We can move on, but <laughs> it it really is one of those things that makes you a bit jittery. Yeah, look, the, 
the thing is, uh, there's unlikely to be any kind of surprises in the way that uh, Atletico set themselves up tactically. Uh, we've got to expect them to be deep, to be to be uh, deep. You know, that deep lying block make it difficult for us. That that's you know that that is what they're going to do. That is that's their mo. They're certainly not going to open up for us. The one 0 up in the tie, they've got to look after it. I think even if we we got one early goal, I I wouldn't expect them to suddenly stray away from their game plan until maybe late, maybe a little bit later in the, in the uh, the game itself. So it's going to be up to Liverpool to to break them down. It would seem. Um, who's who could be key then to ensuring that is a possibility that that comes to fruition that we can get in behind them and actually open them up and score. Well, the fullbacks, as I mentioned, will be imperative in terms of creation because they will not let anything come centrally. And I know there's a few like interesting reports about Naby Keita right now uh, involving certain like certain matters about. You know, I don't know if he'll be in the right headspace to play, but if Naby does play, at least it gives us another avenue through the middle. Fabinho has looked quite shaky. Henderson probably won't be fit. I don't think so. So I mean, Fabinho then has to play. Probably alongside, you know, one of Oxley Chamberlain and Cater and Wynaldum. Uh, um, the yeah, the difficult decision is whether you play Ox for his drive through midfield, even though he's not been great the last few weeks, or you play Cater in the uh, in the hope that he can dribble past the player and make things sort of. Uh, confusing, put it that way. It just added a bit of chaos into the midst because that's something that we lacked. We lacked any sort of impetus for chaos in that Atletico Madrid game. So, uh, yeah, I think obviously the front three is the, the, the most common answer to that question. The fullbacks are the, the second most common thing. I think a bit of chaos that someone like Navi could inject would be excellent, but otherwise just getting as much forward momentum in that midfield as, as is possible because... If they do lock up the fullbacks, then it's, I'm going to see a struggle, I'll be honest. I think if they lock up the fullbacks again, then we're in a bit of strife. So, so what about Oxley chamberlain though? Is, is there the case there for him to start? And, you know, his his ability to, to carry the ball, to dribble, to drive on, you know, to, to push and break through the lines. And not only that, he's one of the few players that seems to be willing to uh, to take a chance and have shots from outside the box. Yeah, I don't know. Do you remember when? Do you remember his insane Champions League run when he scored that belter against City? I mean, he scored a couple of belters against City, but in the Champions League, he was on a tear of scoring cracking goals. Mm. I I think that was based on this sort of free roll in the four three three, where he could essentially drift either side, right or left, sort of between the front three get on the ball and, as long as he was deep enough, sort of dribble at players. Uh, whereas now we're coming up against teams where he'll dribble past a player and someone else will just be there to stop him, it's basically dribbling into a wall. Um, I don't think this is the game that will <laughs> give him the space that he needs. But at the same time, it could be his long-range shooting that comes in handy. Like You never know. So I'm, I'm sort of stuck between the idea that, yes... We need his long-range shooting. He's, we need his, his unpredictability. And the flip side, which is, uh, I don't know if, if this is the if this offside Chamberlain would be effective against the Simeone team. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's it's definitely going to be a a battle between him and, and Nabby. There is a chance that Nabby isn't actually fit to play the game, by which case it's sort of a moot point because we need him. We need Ox to be our live wire by that point. Um, whether he can do that, I guess Klopp's going to have to release him in a certain sort of role in midfield. But yeah, this would, it'd be a great day to see someone someone like Ox come up big. Um, yeah, someone someone like Ox, someone like Genie making a marauding run in the same way he did against that against that quake that quaking Barcelona defense. Um, yeah, just one of those role players I think is going to become very important in this game. What about set pieces then? Because this is another one. Liverpool have been good at them, uh, both offensively and defensively this season. But you know, conceding a goal from a corner in the in the first leg, um, not looking quite as dominant defending the set pieces since the return to this mini break. You know, could could the the set pieces be the the way that uh, we break the deadlock? When quite so, possibly. especially. Sorry, especially thinking, obviously, the, the threat that we have in, in Virgil van Dijk is so dominant in the air. Absolutely. I think if we get that goal, uh, set pieces for us will be... Because Atletico basically have this lockdown procedure on, on set pieces, or they have done under you know Simeone in the past, where they basically say, just don't let them get a headed shot of goal, basically, between, you know, the like if you extend the six yard box out by its like sort of sidelines, no ball should ever be going at the keeper from there. So if you look at the goals Atletico have conceded from set pieces this year, there are a fair few from that sort of area, which basically means that their offside trap and their marking system is not working as well as it could be. Whether that's Simeone sort of one of the things that Simeone's lacks on uh, or that, has just like he doesn't have the right players for or whether it's the fact that teams have worked Atletico out and they're just like whoa if we can just get a couple of men in there causing a bit of a bit of chaos then all of a sudden you can have someone like Van Dyke slip in the back and then bang he's got a head he's got a sort of header on goal the big thing is Atletico haven't been good in the big games this season but I think that we drummed up their their sort of fighting spirit uh, because you heard Simeone like channel the the Wonder Metropolitano and say, you know, we need to be fighting today. We need all of the fans to be behind us. If we have that same thing with Anfield, with the atmosphere, then there's no reason why sort of we can't do the same thing. Why we can't put them off their game, which would mean, yeah, they all of a sudden they are crumbling from set pieces. All of a sudden they aren't quite as solid in the middle of the park. So you never know what will go on mentally. Um, but for me, I think the counter-attacks from corners that it's been our forte this season, I think that could really come up, come up again because that was one of the few times when Atletico think, yeah, we can pour mid-forward here. We can try and nick one from a set-piece. So uh, on both sides of the pitch, I think set-pieces will be important. And how do you think Klopp uh, approaches this? Because, I mean, you, you mentioned an early goal and it would be great, but you'd... You would imagine that uh, Atletico aren't just going to let us uh, have that space and you know let us drive and and do what we do what we want. You know, do you think this could turn into a bit of a game of chess where it's a bit tight and difficult for sixty minutes, and perhaps we have to wait and be patient for our opportunity to actually start opening them up, uh, opening them up? I think that is what I'm afraid of. Yes, um, 
if we get an early goal, I don't want to say it, but if we get an early goal and make us sort of clear favourites to get through, if we don't get an early goal, all of a sudden the nerves kick in, the chest starts, and this is a team that has had very little trouble with getting over the line so far this season in terms of this Liverpool team is just a winning machine. But you're talking about going up against the side that is most notorious for grinding out these results. I mean, except for when it matters, right? In the final, last year against Juve. I mean, when I say the final, I mean the, the Madrid final where they led until basically the 91st minute and then everything went wrong and they lost an extra time. Maybe we can put the pressure on uh, to in that sort of uber-winning machine mentality way that we have in the past. We'll see, I guess. We'll, we'll we'll have to see which way the game pans out. But I still, in my heart of hearts, think if we don't score a goal in the first half, now's the time to be nervous. <laughs> so, well, I- I've got to put you on the spot then. Do you think that we do it? Can we do yes. this? Do we need a bit of Divock Origi magic again? You know, Divock Origi to refine himself and rediscover that uh, Champions League hero, Divock Origi. Well... He only scores goals that matter. So, or, or like the fifth in a 5 nil hammering. So, hopefully it's one or the other. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'd love for it to be a comfortable 4-0 at 60 minutes that we just coast through. But the reality is, I think it is going to be more of the former, more of summoning someone like Divock to come in and just get us over the line. Because I think if we get past Atletico, that's our, that's our mystic aura sort of re-established. Um, despite the lull. I mean, the Premier League might be the Premier League, but it's already wrapped up. Now we're talking just in terms of a European sense. If you're asking me, yeah, if you're putting him on the spot, I think we'd do it. I do think we'd do it. And scoreline then? <sighs> I think it'll be 3-1. I think it'll be 3-1 and they might score sort of late on to put it in, put us in a bit of doubt, but I think it'll be 3-1. Oh, I like it. I like your confidence. I like your confidence. So Liverpool progressing to the ne- to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And my, my final question to you, Alex, then is, if Liverpool progress through this tie, do you believe they go on to win the, the uh, tournament? Uh, uh, it de- I don't want to say it depends. I have said, <laughs> you on, I the have spot, said yeah. on this podcast multiple times tonight that we are one of the two best teams in Europe at the moment. I believe we can beat Manchester City, but I just believe that we can beat them a little bit less than I believe we can beat everyone else, which is giving me cause for doubt. If we beat Atletico and manage to avoid Bayern in the next stage, that my issue is... Us versus City in a final, uh, uh, I don't know. That's my only caveat. <laughs> Other than that caveat, yes, I think we can go on and win it. I'll, I'll, but I'll, we have an important <clears throat> important win to get first. Exactly. Yeah. So we're we're more we are capable of doing it. But um, yeah, you but you do believe that we're going to get through this one anyway. That's that's the main thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Alex. Uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, hopefully uh, you will be the lucky charm here. Uh, I'll be happy with 3-1. I really hope so. Thanks for having me on it, though, Andy. It was nice to talk through the, the nerves and get the get the catharsis out of my system. <laughs> 
So there you have it, folks. Uh, but thanks to Alex. Uh, thanks to each and every one of you for listening to the show. As always, um, as we said, you know, the tie is very, very finely balanced. But we're going to Anfield. Uh, we've been here before. Uh, and who knows, we could be here again before the end of the season. It would be fantastic to have number seven. And you know what? If anyone can do it, this Liverpool team can do it. You've just got to believe in them and you've just got to get behind them. Let's transfer that energy from the uh, from the fans back into those players' legs and let's have our great Liverpool team back firing once again. Liverpool are 1-0 down. They're down in the tie going into the second leg against um, a difficult Spanish opposition. We've been there before. We've been there before, Reds fans. But if anyone can do it, Jurgen Klopp and his men can. So hopefully I'll be back. Uh, with another Champions League preview ahead of the uh, quarterfinal stage. And I always say hopefully because I am superstitious. Uh, let's see if it happens. Let's hope it happens. But until then, from myself, Andy Wales, here at the Champions League preview podcast, Branfield Index, it's bye-bye now. Lovely cushion header. But Podcast Network.